Welcome to another episode of Locked On NFL Draft. Today, we have some more jam-packed topics for you guys. First thing, Charlie Brewer, is he leaving Utah? That's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Keaton Slovis, an update on him and his situation at USC. And then, will opting out become a trend for underclassmen heading to the NFL? I'm interested to see how all that stuff works out. And you guys will hear more about that right here on Locked On NFL Draft. You are Locked On NFL Draft, your daily podcast covering the NFL Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. It's Locked On NFL Draft. We have tons to go over from all the perspectives that we can put together. I hope you guys are ready for this. It's been a great turnout so far, so thank you all for coming back aboard. After we're taking over from Trevor and Ben, we appreciate everything they did, and we welcome you guys back to Locked On NFL Draft, part of the Locked On Network. Pretty excited about today. We've had a little bit of a turnaround. We're going to visit a couple of things. This is something you can get every day from us. We're just starting up, but we'll be up to full speed here coming up real quick. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics. I also host the Locked On Chief show as well. So welcome, Mr. Eric Crocker. How are you feeling? Oh, man, doing good, doing good. Probably a lot better than uh, Charlie Brewer. Is he going to be leaving Utah? <laughs> That's what he says. You know, you get benched. Some people get a little fired up. Evidently, left the program and everything. Uh, now, I mean, we talk about the draft and how things could potentially hurt his draft stock. I mean, and usually we're talking about throws, but a situation like that, especially coming from a guy who's supposed to be the leader, you got to kind of handle that benching a little bit better. I mean, we've seen guys like – I think it's Jalen Hurts and some of these other guys who have been benched. Jalen Hurts got benched in the national championship game and still came back and fought through and tried to fight for a spot. Didn't win it. Ended up transferring to another spot, but I think uh, to another school. But I think people will respect the way that he did that better than what's going on over there at Utah. How do you think that this will hurt Charlie Brewer in his kind of potential transition to the NFL eventually? You know, eventually it's never going to go away. NFL scouts don't forget things like this. Now, I I never had Charlie like anywhere up near high-end stock or anything like that. So I can't say that he's losing, you know, potential millions as a first rounder or somebody that was expected. But, but it's going to hurt something because it's never going to be forgotten. And, and I think I completely agree with you. And I like the, the hurts analogy. And it's funny because those things – hurt hurts back then right it's it's a problem you have to overcome it's a, it's something that takes some character to get through right and look where he is now the guy that replaced him is now not on the field injured again he's actually taking control of the eagles offense like i, I think it's tough when you're a college guy but you got to think long term big picture when some of these things happen how tough do you think it is like for these colleges now that there's the transfer portal and now guys can instantly transfer to another school without having to lose a year of eligibility or have to register or anything like that. Like, do you think that hurts some of these colleges to be able to keep a guy and be able to, because typically if you're a coach and, and you've been around programs, situation like this, Hey, we bet you guy, sometimes you just want to see how he's going to react. Mm -hmm. And this is definitely not the way that you want to see a guy react. I think it potentially says a lot about the character of this kid. And that's a big thing when going to the NFL, especially for the quarterback position. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. It takes one tool out of the tool bag for the coaching staff, like you said, to put some pressure and see how you work through adversity, right? And it certainly makes a mark on the scouting report that says, I don't know if this guy can handle the pressure. How's he going to rebound? Because he obviously didn't do it here. I, I think it's problematic if you're in that situation. And it's tough if you're the, the college head coach, too. It, you have to hope that he's doing it because you have somebody to replace him. So maybe the school's going to be okay, but it definitely changes the way that you can evaluate these guys in the NFL. Definitely. And we're seeing another guy over at USC potentially going through this. We just talked about it on the last episode with Jackson Dart and taking over at USC and the change of guard and how excited we were to kind of see him moving forward. And then the reports come out today. Oh, he has to sit out. He's having some type of injury or whatever. And Kedis Slovis kind of got his spot back by default. But yeah. I think even bigger than that, it probably was a lot about how he handled that situation. He could, what if he would have handled it like Brewer handled handled that situation and just left in the, either in the middle of a game or after the game is like, man, forget this. I don't need this from USC. Uh, you know, I can go play somewhere else and he leaves the school. But now there's an opportunity for him because he handled it the right way to potentially earn his spot back. And even if he doesn't, I mean, you got to give it to the kid, right? And he did, I think, the best job, as Lovis did, in saying, I'm happy for him. He had a heck of a game. I mean, 391 and four touchdowns, that's a heck of a game for Jackson. <laughs> Dart, did it, did. Sorry, I'm going to do that every now and then. Um, get used to it. <laughs> uh, but, like, in handling it that way, he sent the opposite message to the, co- the, the, the coaching staff there and the scouting community around the NFL that, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to deal with things. I'm going to be that, that level guy that's going to deal with some of the roles, the ups and the downs, and I'm capable of dealing with that at the next level too. I think while this may be something that we'll see how it actually works out in the end, the way that he's dealt with it this week, I think actually promotes his draft stock for a guy that was rumored to be in the top 50 anyway. So for me, it's, okay, so Jackson Dart now has a a knee strain or something that I didn't see happen in the game. What does this do for him? Do you think that it sounds like Dante Williams feels this is going to be a competition? Yeah, and I think that's the best way to go about it, especially for Dante uh, Williams, who is an interim head coach. You know, you don't want to just give anything to anyone. You want to make guys earn it, even if, you know, you had to bench a quarterback that has been started for the last uh, couple years. You know, still can't hand anything to anyone, especially if you have this young guy bringing down the snow. A young guy who transferred, uh, he graduated early, Jackson Dark graduated early. Uh, in high school and was able to enroll at USC early. And he's been working his butt off to get this opportunity. So I think the best thing you can do is make it an open competition, see who comes out on top. Because again, we talked about earlier or uh, on the last episode, Williams doesn't really have anything to lose, but he has everything to gain. So I think even with how he handles this situation, will kind of maybe say a lot to, will he have the opportunity to take over as a head coach? Yeah. And, And I still like that idea. It seems that rumor around seems to be that, uh, he's going to get some kind of offer to remain with the team. I don't know if he's going to be considered for the head coach, but hey, if he if he gets on a winning streak, you'll never see something be denied. So I, I'd like to see it happen. But there's a whole different thing between coaching a team as an interim coach and coming back as a player who's opted out. We're going to get into that on the backside of this. But I got to tell you about if you need to fix something up and it's not a football team, it might as well be your car. You need to head over to rockauto.com. Our pals will help you do everything that you need to do to get it done where you need, when you need. You can go online. You don't have to go to a brick-and-mortar store. You can save 50 or or 100% from a family business that's been in business for 20 years. 
they make things easy for whether you're somebody like me that you know can fix a taillight or you're somebody like you that can rebuild an engine. There's a whole different thing and a whole different group of people. Everybody gets the same treatment over at rockauto.com. So check them out in their how did you hear about you box? Would you put locked on for us? We would appreciate it. And check out rockauto.com. Reliably low prices and every part your car is ever going to need over at rockauto.com. All right, so Ryan, one thing that I really wanted to talk about, and I mean, this is like a polarizing thing, and, and you look at some of these guys and they're having some injuries, right? Uh, Thibodeau, the, the special defensive end, I mean, this is a guy who people are kind of projecting to be a top pick in the NFL draft coming up, maybe number one overall pick, especially five, since right? some of these quarterbacks are kind of up and down, but he suffers an injury week one. And I remember my initial reaction was, is he going to come back and play this year? Really? And we'll see. I haven't really heard any reports on it, but a couple things came to mind. One, Nick Bosa went through something similar, had a core muscle injury earlier in his season with uh, Ohio State. And he said, you know what? I'm just not coming back. I'm going to go train with my brother. I'm going to get ready for the NFL draft. We also saw last year where guys opted out because of COVID. And I was curious to see what that would do for guys. But when you see an injury like this, especially for a guy who's pegged as a big time talent, probably going to be a top pick you know, whether he played this year or not, will we start to see guys maybe opting out earlier than usual? Well, I think it's been a progression from, from the bowl game opt-outs when maybe you weren't in the playoff, right? If, if you're in the playoff, it's one thing. Like, you have a championship to chase, and I think that that helps guys make a decision. But for other guys, it, it's a business decision at that point, right? If it's just the singular bowl game or that thing. But in, in opting out this early, whether it's – a legit injury or you're just concerned about your future. I think that changes things. And I would expect that as, as highly regarded as Thibodeau is, I think for the, the NFL scouting community, I think they want to see a little bit more. So I would think for him to help his stock the most, he should return. Will he? I don't know. That's it's a good question. And I think he has at least one good resource because a teammate of his from last season sat out and Penny Sewell's gotten into the NFL after, uh, you know, the COVID part, not a, a particular injury, but he's had an up and down start. Some things in camp was on the right hand side. Now I personally feel that he's a left tackle and that's where he belongs. Yeah. And that's a big part of it, but at least there's a resource there in a, in a comparison that maybe Thibodeau can call his old teammate up. Right. And I mean, Penny Sewell guy was 20 years old still, which is crazy. I think he, doesn't turn 21 until like October or something like that. <laughs> there there have been these cases, and I'm glad that you brought up the opting out of the bowl games because that was something that was really kind of frowned upon by a lot of people, me included. I'm like the ultimate competitor. So I remember when McCaffrey and Lena Fournette opted out of the bowl game. And I thought it was like the craziest thing ever. Like, Oh my gosh, these guys are giving up on their teams. Like, I don't want anybody like that on my, on right. my team. I'm not drafting the guy like that. And obviously like since then I've changed my tune, but that started a snowball effect. It started with just two guys sitting out of some quote unquote meaningless bowl games to, I mean, guys don't play in bowl games, big time guys, unless it's matters, right? Mm -hmm. Most of the, most of the time, look at last year, uh, quarterback from from Florida. I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, but he played in that bowl game with nobody. Like everybody opted out. All his weapons, Kadarius Tony, uh, Pitts, his running backs, cornerbacks. Everybody opted out of that bowl game, and that just was not something that we saw, you know, five six years ago. So now I'm looking at this situation, and you had the 
interesting COVID thing going around. Some guys elected to opt out, but it didn't hurt their draft stock. So do you think that maybe guys will start to opt out early? Hey, they play their freshman year. They play their sophomore year. They check their draft stock and it's like, hey, I'm pegged to be a top five, top 10 pick or first round pick. I'm just going to take this year off, train, get my body right, get an agent, you know, do everything to prepare for the NFL draft and leave. Is that something that may become a trend? I, I think it could. I mean, like if you're eligible and you feel that your stock cannot improve, okay, I can understand the argument. But if you start a season, if you go through spring ball and you get to the to the fall and you start a season with your team, I think COVID was a unique year myself. And I think that those guys got a lot of leeway for opting out. I don't know that the scouting community is going to be okay with that going forward. I'm certainly not. If you start a season, I think you ought to finish it. I mean, if you get to the point where you're banged up and maybe it's a, you know, a judgment call. Okay. I can see that, but I'd rather see a guy opt out early, come out as an eligible sophomore, than start a season, go three games and say, you know what? I'm done. And we saw that last year. I mean, uh, Jamar chase, I want to say he went through spring ball and then said, uh, Nope, I'm not feeling this. Now, he may have just been tipped off and seen what's going on there at LSU and was like, we're not going to be very good. I'm not going to be a part of this. I just came off one of the greatest historical teams uh, statistically ever, playing with Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson and those guys, and I'm going to play with this? No way. But his teammate also, uh, Terrace Marshall, he was the guy. He played half the season. And I think he got into week seven. Now, there were some things about him maybe dealing with some injuries. But week right. seven, he said, you know what? I'm out of here. A couple guys over at South Carolina, J.C. Horn and uh, the other – I don't want to butcher the other corner's name, but the big corner, number 24. Mm -hmm. uh, is Israel? Is, is <laughs> Ezekiel Israel? Either way, 24, the six-foot-four corner. Those guys played a few games and was like, ah, we're out of here. Now, that was also a unique situation. Their head coach got fired. And once right. that happened, they were like, oh, we're out of here. But it didn't hurt Horn's uh, draft stock. It didn't hurt uh, Jamar Chase's draft stock. Uh, Terrence Marshall, I think people liked him, and he probably went where he was going to go, which was around second round. So mm -hmm. I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's interesting to see if this thing starts to take on uh, just this whole different element of preparing for the NFL. And I'm curious to see what happens with Thibodeau because I think it is something that he can come back from. No reports yet from what I've seen, mm -hmm. but we'll see if he ends up uh, coming back and playing. And he might be the biggest part of this season. What he does may trigger a waterfall. So yeah. let, let's see how it comes out. I'm really interested to see it as well. And you know what? If there's one part that you guys got to get, it's get your information in and get your money on the line. And to do that, go to betonline.ag, and then you can get it all there. Whether it's pro or college, they have all the action that you need. New interface. They got odds and props and new contests all on betonline.ag, the number one source for everything football. Head over there, and you'll get a 100% welcome bonus when you sign up with the promo code NFL100. That's 100% on top of what you put down. Bet all your favorite sports, including football, with the fastest, easiest way to lay all your action down. Use our promo code, if you would, locked on at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And if you make some money there, you can probably save some money somewhere else. And that's, you got to go check out our newest pals. They do something really cool. You sign up, you get this app, it's called Get Upside, and you start saving 25 cents 
per gallon of gas, and we all use it every day. It's worth that alone. And right now, they'll even give you a bonus of an additional 25 cents. That's 50 cents cash back on a gallon of gas. We all go through that all the time. The promo code is touchdown. Use that and you will get this deal. And some people are making a lot of money, especially if you drive a lot. So a couple of hundred bucks in your pocket goes a long way. If you get get upside, it will help you do that. Use that promo code touchdown and you get up to 50 cents per gallon on your first tank and 25 cents after that. So check them out. That code is touchdown at get upside on any app store that you can find. Hey man, you, you touched on uh, one thing, Ryan, about... The, the scouting aspect of this whole thing, right? Are scouts going to start to change the way that they view these prospects early on and kind of look at it more like an NFL, NBA draft? All right, so the NBA draft, they get these prospects that come in and, you know, they play one, one season of college, fresh high school, 18 years old, they play one season, they're in college for a semester, and then they leave, they're getting ready for the M- NBA draft. And everything is such a big projection. And I think that's why you see just so many, you know, just misses in the NBA. You're lucky if there's like three or four guys that end up being successful. Do you think that there's potential for, or do the scouts have to start looking at it from that perspective where if these guys indeed start opting out early and they only play one or two years, are they going to have to start projecting more what these guys are going to have to be at or going to be at the NFL? NL level and how how difficult does that make their job i think it's really difficult the big thing for me is i think it's going to be really dependent on who the scouting staff is there's there's a lot of youth coming into scouting right now right there's still some old school guys right and so if you're an area scout you're going to get excited about the positives that you see on the field from the area that you're scouting right you're going to write your reports you're going to report up i don't think it's the the area scout or even the national scout level where it's going to like become a difficult decision point. I think it's the GMs, it's the assistant GMs, the guys that have to boil it down and prioritize and stack that board come April. It, are you going to take that chance? And I think it's all calculated in terms of, do they start to rely more on production? Do they start to rely more on performance metrics? Like it, Those are things that can give you a glimpse into maybe a little bit longer term than if you have a limited film base to watch. Like For me... I'm comfortable with that because that's kind of the way that I approach things a lot anyway. But if you're just a guy that wants to grind film, how comfortable with you about taking more risk in that situation? Yeah, that, that would be tough for me because there are a lot of things, especially like the, the younger guys are, their movement skills are kind of different. So when you're watching a lot of these guys, I talk about, I train athletes and sometimes I'll see a kid and I'm like, man, that kid's a freshman, man. He moves like a senior, right? Like he moves so well. And as they get older and they mature more, the movement skills just improve more and more. We're talking about a freshman and sophomore in college. There's still some growth there. There's some still some growth and maturity in their movement skills. And for me, that's a big thing for me when I'm uh, projecting w- receivers, cornerbacks, like, you know, defensive, defensive line, linebackers, every position, you're always looking at, how are they progressing from a movement skill standpoint? Because that's the biggest thing that you go off of and seeing how that translates to the NFL, you know, their hips, their feet and those things, your feet and hips and everything like you go into college with as an 18 year old freshman are not the same as when you're a 21 year old 
junior heading to the NFL. So I think from that standpoint, especially for a guy like that, that that's like me that likes to grind the film and watch and see trends and things that uh, they consistently do, that's the part that would be difficult for me because I want to see how they improve on those things. And very rarely do you see guys that just come in and hit the ground running and they're just mm-hmm. great all around. Now, you do see some of those guys, and we've seen even the guy like Jamar Chasen. Talking about Jamar Chase, I thought there were definitely areas where he, he needed to improve on mm-hmm. from a separation standpoint. And I wanted to see how he was going to improve on that heading into his junior year. And I didn't get a chance to see that. I think there was a lot of projection even with a chase where a lot of people thought he was a generational talent. <laughs> I, I I didn't. You know, and that's the tough part for me. Like when I watch film, I don't, I, I don't come from a coaching background in a specific position. Right. So I'm more schematic. I'm more about how do you move? How can you project that movement? What do you have in terms of like raw potential? And then I let the coaching staff teach them technique, right? Cause I can't. So right. that's the interesting thing for me is I can probably out of, out of testing or out of like you know, when they get that breakaway and you can see the acceleration on tape, like I can kind of project a little bit different there, but what if, what if the technique is down here and the, the projections up here, that makes it that much harder if you have less film to go off of. Right. It definitely does. And I think that's the one thing that a lot of these scouts, college coaches and or NFL coaches, they're going to have to figure this out because I don't think this is the last conversation that we're going to have on this topic. I think it is something Depending on what happens with Thibodeau, there could possibly be a snowball effect. Yeah, I, I'm completely with you. And I, I hope that it doesn't happen. I want to see guys finish their seasons. I want to see guys go to their bowl games and, and finish their year because I'm one of those people that I think a, a game is worth about three practices. I think a bowl game is worth about three games. Like that is development on on the field, on fire right then. And I think that's important for how a guy makes the next jump in training camp and getting onto the NFL field. So it's all hard to figure that all out and put the whole picture together, but that's why we have podcasts like this. So we can walk you through a bunch of the different aspects. And Eric, I appreciate you taking me through some of the the film stuff. We're going to get deeper into that as the weeks come up, folks. We'll probably talk about some training because we've both done it as well. So if you would, hit that like and the sub and the bell notification on YouTube. And if you would leave us an iTunes review, that would be great. Give all the credit to the guys that have come before us, but let's, let us know how you like this show in this format as we're doing it. We really, really do appreciate that, and we're looking forward to turning up a couple of notches here in the coming weeks. So be prepared. We're here five days a week. We hope that you are as well. He's Eric Crocker. I'm Brian Tracy. You all have a good day, and we will talk to you tomorrow.